Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Michael Abernathy at the Times News, here with Isaac Groves. Hello, everybody. He's our intrepid court reporter, and he's been covering off and on, because the trial itself has been off and on, this attempted murder trial involving Christopher Lee Neal and um, his girlfriend, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, Latanya Wetzel. Yes, okay. Uh, in this 2017 uh, attempted murder case where they chased this DSS worker's car, right, and shot at her. Yeah, the, uh, well, this is the, the story that's come out in testimony, and, and uh, Latanya Wetzel did testify. She's actually pleaded guilty um, to uh, everything but attempted murder. That was the arrangement she got with prosecutors, and she would plead guilty to assault with a deadly weapon and firing a gun into an occupied vehicle. Um, but not be charged with attempted murder. And she testified against um, her former boyfriend and father of three of her children. So in June thir- on June 13th of 2017, um, the DSS worker, her name is Glover, um, she was assigned to check on their youngest daughter, who, ha- who was a premature baby who was only about a week old, whose umbilical cord blood tested positive for marijuana, which I didn't know was a routine thing to test for, but... There you have it. Um, this started, a, a, they needed to do a wellness check on the, uh, on the family's other children. And this was not a, a big deal. Um, the baby was in good health, but, you know, drugs were detected, so you need to take a peek. Um, thing is, they also had, they had, Wetzel has a history with DSS. She'd had three children taken from her home uh, in 2013 or 14. Um, and there are circumstances where it really didn't seem like it was particularly necessary, but she didn't end up cooperating with DSS as far as uh, when they went to do a wellness check because her son was sick and she hadn't approved a Medicaid card until the last minute, um, by which time there was already a case. They went there and there were dogs in the house and dog feces all over the place. And they said the conditions weren't good and uh, that she needed to clean up and do a couple of other things. And she just didn't engage with yeah i mean she apparently did go to some of these meetings some i don't know she went to any of her hearings though but ultimately they ended up adopting her kids out uh so she she wasn't apparently well disposed to dss to begin with yeah she's particularly not well disposed to dss by um june 2017 and so it's a week after she's had a c-section and preeclampsia and she's on percocets and she gets a call from dss saying because glover goes to look for the house to do this wellness check right um, she gets to the house that they ha- the address they have, and it's uh, Christopher Neal's father. Um, no mom, no kids, um, and he doesn't give them an address. He kind of gives them a it's a trailer over there. It's got some green on it. Yeah. Um, they go looking for that. They're calling the cell number that they have for her. They get her. She says, they both testify. She says, "Take this phone before I cuss them out," and hands it to Christopher Lee Neal, uh-huh. who apparently goes outside of their trailer. Not entirely knowing what's going on, but um, according to the social workers, use some pretty harsh language um, and then say it was going to go to their supervisor. Um, then they're headed towards their their office, because so this is up in Reedsville, and mm-hmm. the 
offices outside of Reedsville. Uh, they built their, their county complex outside of town, I guess, to save money. But either way, they start seeing this blue BMW SUV coming after them. And there's a man holding something. They don't know what it is. He later testified, or he testified yesterday, that he was trying to get a picture of them, um, which is apparently something he does. He chases people and takes pictures with his phone. But um, There's a history of that. Uh, yeah, he, okay. uh, you see, well, th- this is where we get complicated. He chases them, uh, according to their testimony, and they end up, like, they're getting a speed of 90 miles an hour. He's like trying to take past them, past some people in left turn lanes, mm-hmm. uh, follows them through a parking lot, the Bojangles, and then they go to a, an elementary school and they're on the phone with 911 and they're waiting for you know, deputies to show up to help them out. And then he goes and talks to the people at DSS and has a meeting with them, um, with their supervisor, as he said. Um, during which, according to the supervisor, a woman named Melissa Kaneko, um, he says that his girlfriend has taken out papers on him for domestic violence. And he says, and she said that I hit her in the head with a pistol. She said, I chased her in the car and waved a gun with the kids were in the car. But I beat all that in court. And she did actually withdraw her, um, she did withdraw her charges and she withdrew her, uh, her domestic violence protection order the same day she took it out which yeah. was that february february 2017 um but nevertheless tss felt that they were obligated to check make sure there was not um danger in the home which of course they couldn't do because they still didn't know where they were living um he left there he says believing that they were going to have an appointment the next morning because he was just too busy to deal with it that day um DSS, does not say that. DSS says, no, we're not going to make sure that we were not going to let, you know, wait till tomorrow morning to see if you're going to shoot anybody. We're going to go and confirm whether or not there was anything going on. They got. So this is a, an unrelated separate check that's going to happen the same day. Well, it's now becomes all one. It's gone from just a routine wellness check to a domestic violence check. I don't know. The, I can't remember the terminology off the top of my head, but basically, yeah. instead of just making sure there's food in the refrigerator and mom's not on heroin, it's make sure that dad's not going to kill somebody. Okay. Um, right. And so they finally get her to tell them where they're staying. Basically, they say, "Look, if you don't tell us where you're staying, we're going to have we're going to have a court hearing like tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you're going to be compelled to do so." And so she gives them the address. It's about four fifteen in the afternoon. Um, now, Glover and this other woman, Emily Pulliam, who was with her, kind of wasn't supposed to be with her to begin with, but they were checking on uh, babies at the same hospital, ended up kind of stuck together that day working on this. Um, but they weren't going to go without an escort. Um, right. Now, we run into this periodically here at the Times News. They were having a shift change. So they could not get any deputies to go with them until after 6 o'clock uh, or until they didn't mm-hmm. get to the house with the deputies until 6 o'clock. Um, and they get there, and uh, Wetzel's not entirely incre- cooperative. She wants to see a warrant, stuff like that. Um, of course, they're not they're not here to search the house. It's a DSS check. Yeah. But, so I've seen body camera footage. She does end up sitting down with Glover and saying, yes, the, the statements I made were true, but it wasn't him that hit me with the pistol. I don't know who did that. And it was a misunderstanding. He wasn't chasing me with a gun. It was, it was a phone. Um, uh, but that was enough confirmation for DSS to say, the kids can't stay here tonight. We need to actually dig into this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Where can they go? And Wetzel resisted that uh, until the point where it was, uh, I think uh, the way the DSS supervisor put it, it was just, they had already gone to a judge and said, we need to have, uh, we need to take a, we have non-secure custody of these children. Um, at that point, 
DSS was legally the guardians of the children. So when Wetzel said, okay, we can take him to my mom's in Fayetteville, at that point, they couldn't do that unless they went and did a home check on her mother's house in Fayetteville, which means they're going to have to get right. another county's DSS to go do that. And So they're not doing that. They were not going to do that that night. They were going to take the kids and take them into foster care, which is what they did. Um, you know, and of course, in the course of all this, Neil is called. He comes in. He's furious. He's um, shouting. Kids are crying. He's, you know, um, and as things are going on, you know, Glover is, you know, terrified of him at this point because he's chased her and she knows that he's had this kind of a confrontational conversation with her supervisor and one of her coworkers. And uh, he comes in and he's all worked up. And on the way out, when they're putting the kids in the car, um, Glover says, you know, I hope that when we talk about this tomorrow that you can be a little more calm. And as someone said, no, never in the history of calm down has anyone ever calmed down when you told him to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't. He got really angry and uh, said something about, um, I would die for my kids. I may die tonight. You may die tonight. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think probably made an impression on the jury. Uh, yeah. You know, they could see him saying that. Um, and then... Um, that night, you know, Glover takes the kids to Greensboro to a uh, to a foster facility, and then is back in Reedsville um, at ten thirty. When Neil and um, Wetzel show up there, saying they want to see a supervisor, and of course, there's a deputy with the social worker saying, "Well, there's no su- there's no supervisors here. It's well after hours. You're going to have to do this tomorrow. Yeah. Get a lawyer." Um, and they escort. Glover to the county line because she lives in Burlington. So they escort her to the Caswell mm-hmm. County line. And she's driving down 87. She's heading into Burlington. She's on Webb Avenue. And right around the Glen Raven Pharmacy, she thinks that someone's following her. She pulls off. Um, there's like, a, she pulls off in a parking lot. The vehicle keeps going. She gets back on the road. The vehicle comes back. She pulls in another mm-hmm. parking lot. And then two bullets come flying through her windows and miss her by inches. Yeah. And then she takes off. She thinks she's been shot. I mean, I saw her on the stand. It was like she was reliving the moment. It just, yeah. it messed her up. Um, she is no longer a social worker. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she's in therapy. She's, you know, it just, it definitely uh, just terrified her. But she wasn't hit. Um, and she got through it. And But she immediately knew who it was. Mm-hmm. You know, or she said she knew. You know, she immediately said it was Christopher Neal. Well, of course, Wetzel is the one that says, I'm the one that shot at her, but... Neil was driving. Neil yeah. says, "No, I, I was over at my at my aunt's house, who has dementia, helping out with her, and uh, Wetzel borrowed the car, and never came back, and she did it all by herself." Um, there's evidence that doesn't really support that. Yeah. Um, there's a thing he used his debit card at a car wash in Greensboro. At what? After twelve thirty or so that morning, the following morning. So he wasn't in Reedsville at that time, or it seems unlikely he was in Reedsville at that time. Um, and he also has an, he was, has he had alibi witnesses in there this morning who were his young cousins. Um, How young? Oh, I think they were well. They were graduate. One of them was graduating from high school uh, that June because that's where he he was arrested. They were arrested in South Carolina around Myrtle Beach because he was down there for to have a cookout party for his cousin who just got out of high school um which he contends was something they planned for a long time he wasn't on the run anything like that right but um uh, there's some debate about that the cousin says they had sort of planned things ahead 
And then his other cousin, who lives with the aunt, who he said he was he was with that night, um, was not able to uh, fully confirm everything he was saying. He was there. He was in and out that night, but you know, no, he wasn't there at ten thirty because he was at DSS. And there's a picture of him at Sheets getting gas, and he wasn't there at this other time because you know. Uh, so, and she went to bed at ten o'clock, so she doesn't know what it, where he was yeah. after that. Yeah. So he doesn't have a uh, he doesn't have a rock hard alibi there. Um, he did finish up his. Uh, he re- he closed his case today, and and we should mention because we haven't yet. Oh, he's right. representing himself. Yeah, that is. I guess. I guess that I really did bury the lead on that one, didn't I? Yes, yes. I've never actually seen somebody represent themselves. Um, it's fun, isn't it? I, I'm sorry to make a jovial joke of this, but in a cringy a, way, I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, it's difficult to watch, yeah. uh, but uh, in a cringy way, yeah. And um, but it's also very interesting yeah yeah you kind of appreciate a little bit more what lawyers are doing uh when you see somebody who's i mean he's he's not um he's not terrible but there's a lot Mm. of things he does not understand about the law um and he he spent about he's i think 20 years in federal prison and claims that he had to become learn how to be his own lawyer to get out um he did get out of prison. I think his sentence was reduced. I don't know how much his his skills had to do with that, but it did happen. Um, what was he in federal prison for? Uh, drug trafficking. Okay. I think there are a number of relatives involved. Is back in 1995. He says there was absolutely no drugs recovered, but uh, they they put him in prison anyway. I don't. Mm. I think I might have read part of that federal indictment a while back, but um, I don't remember the details. Okay. But, anyway. Yeah, there was. There was a, I think there was a definitely a quantity of crack cocaine involved and at least three firearms. So um, when you get into federal court with that kind of thing, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And he was. Because um, I think he'd, he hadn't been out of prison that long when he met Wetzel back in 2013, um, which is a long time to be away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and so then, and then yesterday he testified on his own behalf um, and, you know, as his own attorney, which I think... I don't, None of the people I talked to in the room, the detective who I've seen in court many, many times, and a, um, a defense attorney who's been around for a little while, they'd never seen any of this. Yeah. Have you? Uh, no, I was. I never watched a defendant examine himself on the stand. Right. So. Well, and it was. Uh, I kind of was. Have you ever seen Bananas, the Woody Allen movie? I haven't seen that either. Well, there's a scene where he does. He represents himself and questions himself by okay. jumping out of the stand. Oh, right. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Neil sat down and he had a written statement um, that he read from that was uh, pretty similar to. He covered a lot of the events that had already been testified to, but he just sounded a whole lot better in his version. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't shouting. He wasn't swearing. Other people were being. Uh, he said that he thought that the call from the that he'd gotten from the DSS workers that Wetzel you know, when Wetzel handed him the phone he thought it was a prank call because they were saying we're going to take your kids away and laughing and stuff yeah. like that, which um, I don't I don't know Miss Glover I've seen her on the stand I've seen her in court every day she doesn't seem like the kind of person to uh, laugh while she was talking about um, removing kids from the home um, and then my understanding is that she was actually a pretty good social worker and, and, uh, didn't take this sort of thing lightly, but, right. um, so, so the jury, uh, what you think they've gotten a sense of his credibility, uh, through all this? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been times when, uh, I think, uh, 
when he was under cross-examination, and I'm trying to remember specifically, Rick Champion is the prosecutor, and Champion was asking him about, oh, what was it? It might have been... It might have been when when he when there was the, the at the car wash in Greensboro maybe, and at some point Champion was was uh, saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he said, well, I haven't got anything to say about that. Well, no comment on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that he's necessarily done himself a whole lot of good. Um, and you know, there's been times when he's like when he was uh, when he was cross examining his former girlfriend, um, where he was he was pretty ugly. Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. made comments about she gave up her kids for a puppy because her previous kids, she had moved out of her apartment because she had a dog she didn't want to get rid of. So there's definitely bad blood there. Oh boy. Yeah. He's not, um, yeah, he was not particularly sweet to her on the stand. It was was interesting to watch. There were times when he was sort of engaging with her and seemed somewhat sympathetic. And then he would, you know, then accuse her of cheating on him and, um, lying about him. And then, uh, yeah, yesterday I think, uh, Rick Champion was questioning him about, um, well, what about you know when she goes hit in the head with a pistol? He goes, well, I didn't do that. I never touched her. That might have that was probably one of her other boyfriends. And and so Champion was saying, so does that? You know, I was asking him about being jealous. He's, I'm not jealous. That's my girlfriend over there. I think he said that's my chick right there. Mm-hmm. There's a woman who was in the courtroom who apparently he's been seeing or was seeing when he was out of jail. Um, who I don't think was particularly pleased to be pointed out that yeah. way at that moment. Um, but uh, you know, he was obviously angry and defensive but saying that there were too many women out there to get hung up on one and he didn't really care who Wetzel was sleeping with when he had, you know, pretty obviously tried to rake her over the coals about it when he had yeah. her on the stand. And so, yeah, I don't think that the jury's, I don't, know, I don't, I don't see that anyone coming away from this being truly in love with him. Yeah. Um, he does have a lot of family support. You know, his parents have been there. He's, mm-hmm. he's had various relatives in there. So um, he's got that going for him. And I suppose that does speak well of somebody. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're, you're kind of, when you decided to represent yourself, you've, you've kind of testified your, against yourself a little bit right there yeah. because it's just one of those things that, um, it's just not a good idea and everybody knows it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. I think that he, he's chosen to do that because he hasn't been able to have, he's gone through a lot of lawyers. I mean, he's gone through a lot of lawyers. I think probably because they all told him he needed to plead out. Yeah. Um, there was just, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's no photo of him doing what he's accused of, but there's a co-conspirator who's testifying against him in a fair amount of circumstantial evidence and his own behavior. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and he doesn't, he, he tends to get sort of conspiratorial when he's, when he's questioning and, um, basically saying that people are coming after him for, Various things, so I, I don't know how the jury feels about that. Obviously, but uh, it will be interesting to see how yeah. how long it takes him to come up with a verdict and what that verdict is. Yeah, uh, which should start pretty soon. You said closings are this afternoon. Yeah, they uh, they had to. Yeah, they'll be they'll be going back at two thirty this afternoon. Okay, so. it's about uh, fifteen till two right now right, on right. Tuesday. So, yeah, um, I want to give a good shout out because we had a, a conversation about this about. Uh, Shout out to Judge Lambeth, who has had to referee. Yes, with a defendant when a defendant represents himself, it is an infinitely more difficult job for a judge because yes. they're trying to preserve the law and the way the court system works, and the, uh, but also, you know, teach this person the law, right, and not overstep their bounds. It's really difficult to do, and 
every once in a while, Neil will say something like, well, Your Honor, you have to understand, and he will cite some statute, and Lambeth will say, do not tell me the law. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, and he has said to him, I've given you a lot of leeway because you're representing himself, yourself. Um, when he was, you know, badgering a witness, and, mm-hmm. and he was badgering a witness. He was, you know... Um, I think it would have been much easier on the alleged victim if, um, well, she's not an alleged victim. Somebody definitely took a shot at her um, if she had been questioned just by a, a defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, you know, Neil was trying to bring up stuff. He had someone do a background check on her and her husband, and they, I think it had tracked where you know, different addresses they'd had, that sort of thing. But then he started saying that she'd been convicted of writing bad checks in 2014, and when... Um, Champion and Lambeth looked at the the background check that he brought. They said, "But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say she was convicted of, of or even charged with writing bad checks. It doesn't it just says that there was some thing. I had never got to see it, so yeah. I don't know what it said." But um, so yeah, for the record, here that's not on. No, that's no, not no, on no. her record. Yeah, you know, she is not. She has not been convicted of writing bad checks or even charged. Right. The only thing that was actually on there that was basically legit was a traffic offense. You yeah. know, and like a minor one. <laughs> you know, yeah. and at some point to impeach your credibility, he did say, "It looks here like you had this photo of your car that you were driving the night on that night, that it was out of inspection." You know, and that mm-hmm. was that was his way of trying to impeach her credibility was that you yeah. know her car had not been inspected, which I don't know, neither's mine. So yeah, I got about thirty days. I, I just realized that mine's like two months out of date. I need to get a set of tires like this week. Oh, yeah. Isaac, don't say that. On the, <laughs> on the, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Look the other way <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you see uh, Groves coming down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, Isaac. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks Mark. for all your work in there. Thanks for the perspective on this um, pretty interesting trial. Yeah, it is. It is. I've never seen anything quite like it. And, you know, these scores happened in 2017, which was kind of the tail end of all that uh, nasty bout of gun violence we had in Burlington. Yep. Um, I mean, I. I can't say if things have necessarily died down, but there was a you knocked, there. Did you just knock on your head? I did. Yeah, for not, so people who didn't see or hear that. <laughs> That's it. something my mom taught me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, was a, there was a stretch there when it seemed like every day there was somebody shooting mm-hmm. at somebody and sometimes yeah. getting them. And this kind of happened sort of at the tail end of that. So um, I think that they're, you know, they're, they've tried to prosecute those pretty vigorously because yeah. it, was a, it was a scary time in Burlington. It was. It was. All right. Uh, well, everybody, you can figure out how the trial turns out uh, in the Times News. Isaac will be writing about it. Yeah, I expect I'll have a verdict on what is Thursday. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'll put like a, a dollar on that. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cokes from the vending machine. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thanks again, Isaac. You're welcome. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.